0: Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Umberkir, the world messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. I'm having another legend in conversation with us today. I cannot tell you how super excited I am to have her with us given how busy she is and how much work she's constantly focusing and working on. Beside phenomenal education and doctorate that she, obviously study hard for it and obtained. trajectory of her career that started and disruption and innovation in times as specific when was so challenging for women to do. I can't even start thinking where to start, being a phenomenal board member, working in such a high capacity with Fortune 500. On top of it, being an innovator and creating first sustainable MBA program as a woman, as well as pacifist and human rights activist and uh, so many more things. I mean, without further ado, let's have hear from Liba Pinkett. Liba, how are you?
1: I'm fine, and uh, you know, hearing you talk about me, I get even more. I get excited about myself. You made me feel so good. Thank you so much.
0: Liba, all is just true. And I really don't even know how to unpack. And I know they left out so many pieces. And I know that everybody's on the edge of their seats right now, because guess what, guys? We're going to hear something that is going to help not only for us to exit 2021 like a champions, but also to really figure it out. How can we live a legendary life? And how is Liba accomplishing that? And how she's continuously look at her longevity, sustainability with her own self, with amazing passion and energy and things that she's still doing despite of creating a living legacy and leading the legacy that i am super super excited also to expand upon and possibly be part of it so you guys have a chance as well so liba you are right now in seattle and how is everything right now before we jump in in seattle
1: uh it's a beautiful day it's not even too cold it's nice out here yeah
0: fantastic yeah I mean, Leba, you are so many times published. You've been on so many different circuits. You've been on so many different conferences. You've been keynoting. Something that I cut my eye—the beautiful poster behind you. Do you mind sharing just what it was that all about? And then, just a little bit of how you started your career path, and that led you where you are here today.
1: Well, the poster is. Uh a conference that Desmond Tutu headed in 2004, which was a a global peace conference. And I was so privileged to get to go there. And, uh, I actually led a workshop on innovation in that conference. Wow. In which, uh, all the participants came and we, we had big flip charts and everyone put their ideas for making the world better on these flip charts and then we arranged the flip charts around the room and everyone went around and looked at each other's flip charts and out of that maybe five or six of the ideas were very popular so everyone congregated around that and then the rest of the workshop worked on how to put these uh initiatives for peace global initiatives for peace into action Mm -hmm. and that's a process that uh that i've used with half of the fortune 100 as well in yeah. innovation and also in government agencies and it. you know here's the idea that everyone everyone has things they want to do to make the world better and when they get to come to work and bring their whole self and and get to have in their work a way to not just make the company better, but through making the company better, make the world better. Suddenly we're not going to have a great resignation, right? Yes. Because that's exactly, I mean, obviously, there are daycare issues and there are are all kinds of health issues and so forth in the great resignation, but the abiding, what's going to keep going on, is people are not going to work without having their purposes in their work right so in any event when we do this work it's a bottom-up innovation in which everyone is an innovator everyone is making their company and and their neighborhood and their other employees and the world better through their work and that's actually the core of my coaching right now is i work with people who are creating that sort of system-wide innovation in companies who who may not have a job description that says that, but are doing it anyway.
0: Wow, 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 wow. First of all, you veteran also in innovation. So what a privilege and how beautifully you connected the dots. Uh, what, ha- what, what obviously get you started, but also what is going on today, right? Because you're spot on, if we're not innovating, we're dying, we're, we're dinosaurs, right? We're not providing Tapsa either services or solutions or products that are relevant and current and needed to be provided today. Yeah. And, but the
1: thing is, it's not gadget in innovation. Absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 it is the kind of innovation that in some way makes everyone's life easier and the planet more sustainable and and, you know, makes everyone else want to get up in the morning and make a difference. These system innovations.
0: I love that. And on top of it, then you're also veteran in um, sustainability, right? And veteran in sustainability innovation. So I love how you connected those two pillars that are essential right now if We're looking why so many fortune 500 companies are crumbling, why they're ch- losing the rating and status, why they're you, are you losing um, respect from consumers and board of directors, for example, the great resignation of, that we're seeing right now here in the United States has a lot to do with that and one factor you mentioned already it's around the mental health and health but also lack of leadership lack of vision lack of direction a lack of innovative uh, support and in minds and openness for that right if we're closed we can't even possibly see what's possible we kill creativity don't we
1: yes fortunately uh, the financial world is beginning to demand that of the companies, and so there's this shift going on where, where people who didn't have to think in their leadership positions of, about the sustainability and values base of their work are now saying, oops, in 2022, I'm going to have to fill out ratings that I didn't have to in 2021, you know,
0: it's, it's a big shift. That is fantastic, Luba. But before we deep dive, and I mean, first of all, being invited and doing the workshop at Desmond Tutu's global conference, it's a dream come true uh, for so many and and just have that dream uh, that obviously uh, that you fulfilled for a lot of us was just a dream that never got fulfilled. Uh, and, and just to have that level of expertise speaks the volumes. And as for us to, all well, wanted to kudo and thank you for um, your consistency of showing up and dealing at the times when even today, I can't even imagine 20, 30, 40 years ago was not necessarily a lot of Creation and seats at a table to invite the woman in that conversation. And they'll also give an opportunity to reflect on their expertise.
1: How can no, as, you you talking, that? as you're talking, I'm thinking of uh, something that I've actually been talking about for 10 years. But, um, it, you know, and the, the moral of the story I want to tell is that if we can put our values into action, we get so much healthier, we get so much ha- happier, we get so much less despair in a time of history when there's so many reasons for despair. And and here's the story that um, I think a lot of your listeners have already heard about that. There was this very legitimate academic study of 10,000 16 to 24 year olds in 10 countries. And out of that, uh, they learned that 75% of this youth thought the future was frightening and 60, uh, 60% said they were extremely worried or they felt betrayed by their government or, or by the, uh, or the adults in the world not protecting them, right? And 40% fear having children. Wow. And uh, this was in October that it was released and... Um, this year this year yeah yeah wow i can
0: i have to sadly say i was 40% of those that i was afraid to have a children in the world that, that i witnessed um yeah over, and over
1: yeah i had that same same response 40 years ago too but uh, a, a certain man in my life overcame it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic and i'm glad you fulfilled that to be a mother a beautiful daughter and very accomplished uh, young lady but please but,
1: but in any event um again the moral of the story is is that this is a sign of mental health right it's not a sign of of, of this kind of realistic approach to what's going on in the world is actually the healthy people are having that and can i can i tell you a little bit about moral injury in in vets
0: please because i'm intrigued what moral injury first of all is and then also how is the moral injury affecting give that we're witnessing as you we were talking about uh, what is happening currently in with Fortune 500 or just in general employers in this country as well as other parts of the world but let's focus on the United. Okay. States. Okay
1: so so moral injury is a term borrowed from working with deeply traumatized veterans who by the way have a mental health strength in having this reaction which is their injury is not what they did, but what they couldn't prevent or or change that they were complicit in. We're complicit in climate change. They were complicit in a system that had collateral damage or whatever. You've worked with many of these people, right? You've seen this moral injury. And the antidote is to get together, which you did, and have people find projects and actions they can take to make the world better it doesn't have to be the same thing that that was going on, but by the by taking the action to make the world better they heal. And they heal into their they heal through their own morality, because it is their morality that makes them so injured right because I, I, I look at your face and I just see the depths of your experience in working with these people.
0: Thank you. And and I love you brought it up uh, because a lot of times when we're in the role, specific with the government or military, any division of military, you're there to follow the order. They may be deferring from your internal moral compass, right? And you never know what you're going to find yourself into, what you have to deal with, right? And nobody prepares you what war and combat looks like and scenarios specifically when you start dealing with civilians, with youth, with children, with innocent women. And and, and, and when you start seeing all of that, it's so unfortunately easy to be injured. It's so unfortunately easy to have those invisible wounds without ever knowing the depth that they affect you and how deeply and how much and frankly how long will take if ever for some people to overcome them
1: yes but when when they are put together in peer circles like you create right you've created in many many ways throughout your life uh, they can heal And this, of course, relates to your work with leadership legacy, right? Because the despair that the society feels, the antidote is a kind of leadership, a leadership from whatever position you're in, right? Whether you're the CEO or whether you just have a job, right? But that leadership legacy is the antidote to despair because we all in a subtle level, not, not anything parallel to what happens to vets, but we all at some level have some moral injury in not being able to make the world better when we care so much about our families, our other people, our neighbors, our friends, and, and many of us can look at the whole world as something we need to care about, like the Desmond Tutu. So um, your leadership legacy work is empowering people to take action so that they can heal their moral injury.
0: Excellent. And then also I'm sure from your standpoint, from what you do, which is very complimentary and, and, and obviously your trajectory that's been going on for so long uh, of finding sustainable model, right? And, 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 and obviously you started, you saw even way back when uh, the opportunity, when you created the first sustainable MBA, do you mind sharing about, because not only leading in sustainability elements, but creating also program where they can plug in and get educated and at the same time implement right away what they're learning in a practical way. Um, I would love to, if you can please share with our audience about that and, and, and what outputs as a result of those initiatives and outside of the box thinking you were able to create. Okay. so.
1: So, you mentioned that in our history, uh, myself and a little group of, of consultants at, at something called Pincho and Company, uh, we had been doing innovation work for probably another, already about 20 years. We wrote the book Intrapreneuring, which is internal entrepreneurship, right? And sort of started that whole field of thinking of people who behave like entrepreneurs within large companies. Entrepreneurial. Okay. We've been doing it for a long time and we did lots and lots of trainings to get the entrepreneurial spirit into workplace, into people in workplaces and build teams and then do the kinds of innovative work that I just told you about was done in the Desmond Tutu conference, right? Where yes. people get together in teams and then, and then do, uh, to make the workplace and the, and the whole world better. We were doing remedial education we were combating the typical MBA curriculum. The Back final-
0: when, do you mind just sharing the, day, the dates, reason why, because it's so much that is to be combated even today, so please. Well, this was in the 80s and 90s. See, okay. yes, and reason why I wanted just to highlight for the audience, because how much astute and visionary you were to really see what was even dysfunctional at that time. It wasn't hard to see <laughs> because because we were in half
1: of the Fortune 100 doing training, so we were working day in day out with people who volunteered. We were we would have these big symposiums and and get people really excited about what the world needed from their company, and they would do these little innovation fairs and you know, and and then they would begin to you know, do their uh, whatever their projects were and so forth. But they were working in a system that was run by finance and run by the principles of the MBA. Right. At that time, which was, it's a single bottom line. Wow. Right. And it has nothing to do with people either in the workplace or out of the workplace or the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so seeing the need for remedial education, I mean, we kind of dropped out and just said, we can't do this anymore. We had teams meeting in our offices, you know, Boeing teams and so forth, doing beautiful work, but we couldn't do it anymore. We couldn't do it anymore. And, and I, I actually went to a conference and sketched out a way to teach entrepreneurship to every high school student in the world, right? So so just starting in in my community, you know, and having mentors and, you know, something they could do in the junior or senior year where they could, you know, maybe just a soup kitchen, but to realize that they had power, they had initiative that they, that whatever, because we we had lots of teenagers in our house because we had teenagers and they looked at the future and they saw a wall. You know, they say I, I don't want to do it. I, I don't know. I don't want to join one of those companies. I, what am I going to do? This isn't me, right? And we wanted to give them a way to engage with society and their communities and make things better and see that there are lots of ways that they could find work and, and find companies where they could make a difference. Okay. Uh, it turns out it's impossible to change the public schools high school system. We worked for about a year. It's impossible. So we said, well, what about a graduate program? And so we and we had a friend who had actually led a graduate program who was working with us. And and fortunately, he knew how to put things together. And so we did that And we started the first uh, sustainable MBA on a wing and a prayer and no money, nobody was rich. We had to fundraise almost a million dollars a year. And it was a hard fundraise because, you know, it's kind of a you're gradu, you're graduating in new kinds of MBAs to make the you know it was it was hard but we did it people got it and uh, we had eight hundred graduates over fourteen years wow and and our our sister school had another eight hundred and we put the two two schools together about four years ago and, and now we have about two thousand graduates between the two of
0: them. That is outstanding. And um,
1: these, these students learned sustainability and social justice in every single course. In other words, there was not a single course where it wasn't integrated. And they also met in circle every morning doing a Most people haven't heard of it. Oh, in Colorado, yes. Virginia Satir, the mother of family therapy, had a big circle process where every morning when they met in their residencies, uh, they all met in a circle with no head, and contributed the uh, information and then the hopes and dreams for the day to and a lots of appreciations and so uh, we grew a culture that mm-hmm. they take out into the workplace, an appreciative culture, a hopeful culture, so that they can help, so that they can make a workplace setting what's so sticky that everyone wants to do social justice and sustainability as well as the bottom line of the company. And the companies they're in are thriving, and there's some very, very prominent graduates.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> what I keep saying wow is the fact that... Um... You solve complexity of numerous issues. Dysfunctional MBA programs that are not necessarily give you the right tools to tackle complexities you have to face. How to elevate your game and be a phenomenal leader and create and continue to create tribe and culture, yet without taking away anything that you just said with sustainability and equity and all these other elements that are so unnecessarily uh, right now, the way we lead specifically for large companies in the world, right? And, and at the same time, augmenting the deficit that I keep saying around the leadership and lack of capacity to know how to lead or have a skill set to lead. So you saw numerous issues with one effort, which is the creativity, uh, better design, better approach, and new infrastructure. I can't say how thrilled I am to hear this firsthand and how much I want to kudo you because seeing where we're at, understanding the, the landscape, right? And what we're dealing with, not necessarily to bring the negativity and then despair, but the, but, the, but the point is how much intelligence, how much amazing wisdom, how much capability uh, we have as a result of those efforts, right? Yeah, okay, let me tell you one more thing. Do you know how
1: in a nonprofit you always have a mission statement, right? Yes. Obviously, to you know, create uh, a great education for these students who are going to go out and be innovators and make the world better. We had two mission statements, and they were always published in, in
0: yes. big
1: print, which is we also wanted to change every MBA program in the world. And so when we had these, we were very fortunate and had our residencies four days a month at this incredible environmental learning center uh, outside Seattle that didn't have any occupancy over those four days because the people that they took care of were the other uh, days of the week. Uh, And we had dozens of faculty and administrators from other MBAs come to every single residency we made room for them, they had to pay their own room and board, but they came and they sat in the back of the classes, they sat in the circles, and they drank the Kool-Aid. And so we take some credit, these two schools, BGI and Presidio, that merged, we take some credit for the transformation of MBAs, which has been enormous in the last 20 years.
0: (sighs) you should take up more than just some credit because obviously, I mean, I loved it. Not only you get in from Presidio Graduate Schools, a Leadership Impact Beyond Boundaries Awards consistently since 2015. That speaks the volumes, right? Because right now we have so many different, even leadership programs and thoughts around leadership, but the fact that that transformative piece is happening and as you know, it's a lot of work, right? It's a conscious decision and it's daily practice. And, and just to have the people and executives resonate and, and, and reflect how important this is and how much is uh, to be driven by, I, I think it, it is just absolutely phenomenal because that tells me that is always there a group of people that are early adopters, that are big thinkers, that are innovators and ready for different types of solution and meeting them and giving them the vehicle and and creating something ripple effect when they go in those fortune 100 years you mentioned to lead in a leadership position. What do you think they are gonna create? They're gonna start influencing to create a much healthier and better culture that starts slipping up, right? That that start focusing on bottom line and, and technology and very little on people.
1: It's the way. I think, I think the world is tipping, tipping slightly towards that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving away my age when I, which I am very proud of. When I talk about that, I've seen revolutions happen in the past there, you know, in the sixties where I was a college student and, and, and the years afterwards, um, there was a, a, social and racial justice revolution, it made a difference. Thank God we're still having them and we're currently still getting better and better at it uh, because the work was anything but done. But the revolution of how people treated each other at, at that time through psychology uh, has permeated the society, you know, what the, the thousand leadership books, right? That people write. They all kind of came out of that, yes. that that revolution in having looking at uh, uh, the inner pers- the quality of the interpersonal relationships, right? What's between us? You know what we bring to it and what we create between us, and that that is now embodied in in the uh, the various kinds of leadership operating manuals. The company, so it takes a long time, but but these these things do twist and tip.
0: I am blown away. Not only you have studied, obviously, organizational system transformation, and there was your doctorate program, which means you invested wastes of time to really hone this down. And I know from transformative efforts and just in general change and transformation, and something that I pride myself to say that not only I'm adapt so well to any change based on what I experienced early on, and I just run with that, right? But that transformation, like that conscious effort to make a difference, to go into these different angles. I'm just blown away um, how you worked on something that is so complex and made it so amazingly simple. And for everybody watching and listening, we can change and empower people something that's also can be very visible, but transformation and system transformation that requires a completely different level of effort and dedication. So with that in mind, obviously, and seeing that trajectory and how much you uh, contributed, um, not only in sustainability, uh, of education and sustainability of the world in general, but also for all these other right reasons. I'm curious, Liba, what are you currently working on? What is the current passion, and where where you headed at the time?
1: Well, I am still uh, very much supporting innovators, right? That I I have a uh, I have a coaching practice and. Uh, and I particularly love to work with people who are making systems change. I work with CEOs who are taking their whole company and getting everyone engaged in the workplace, which is a quite a radical act, actually. And and so I what am I working on and what am I learning are are the same thing, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm learning how this is done. It's and it's done through interpersonal relationships. Uh, yes. And and what some of my innovators, who often are there in social justice, racial equity, sustainability, but they all are are also uh, dedicated to the survival and the future forward thinking of the company. And what they say is. What it's challenging because it's a one at a time thing. It's really hard to batch process transformation right you, you You have one relationship at a time and but some of them are learning how to do kind of this a, a little more i i one of my clients head of a company that has two hundred and seventy thousand employees okay she's actually she's not head she's second, but she's uh she's head of sustainability and the, uh, and she did something very interesting. She had a job that had to be hired from within, which is part of the culture of the company. And, uh, and she put it out throughout the company and she had 150 applicants for this job from within the company out of the 370,000 people. And normally you would pick a resume and talk to three of them, right? Or five of them or something. She talked to all 150. And she Um, said, look, I am talking to all 150. Obviously, just a few people will get the job. But your interest in this project is so important that I'm going to spend some time and we're going to figure out how you can do this work from wherever you are in the organization. And so she created 150 (laughs) <laughs> using old frayed points of light throughout
0: the company
1: wow right and uh and and kept in touch with them.
0: wow so that there, is extraordinary
1: so there are lots and lots of ways that you can do engagement a little more uh systemically than the one relationship at a time which is also critical because it's in your relationships you're close in relationships you know who do you know how how can you get the person who reports to the ceo to use your words in their annual meeting one of my clients did this the the ceo's uh, uh, racial equity speech she wrote and he didn't know it Mm. because she worked with the fellow who did present the words to him, you know, so there's just lots and lots of different ways to make influence. That's what wow. I love. I, I, um, I love
0: that. I, I love the creative way of thinking. Why to turn away people that are interested in expressed interest? Why to narrow down just to one or two? How to leverage all of them? I think it's a brilliant. And how to tap on their passion because everybody can serve and be a transformative agent in anywhere where they sit. I think that is right. such a brilliant point because a lot of times we think so linear and being dealing with organizational charts and, and structure and how sometimes we create these convoluted, disconnected forms and shapes and, 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 and departments that are also very siloed and very disconnected from overall, as you said, and begin a mission, right? Every organization, every nonprofit have their mission while they're here. Every individual has their own mission while you're here. I mean, I, I, you just stepped in. I'm sure when you started that journey, you never thought about that school, the university will be called after you. That is insane accomplishment that you're gonna be able to impact so many students. And that you're going to be able to create so many light points, as I love that, in organizations as a result of your vision, as a result of your efforts. And that is legendary, my, my colleagues and friends that you're watching and listening. That's how legend looks like and shape and form. And, and we don't hear so much about female legends. Uh, and I, you guys know I'm all about legends in general. But it's important to see how they're formed, how they're created, and how they dedicate their life for something that they strongly believe in. And look at these results.
1: Everyone deserve
0: to be a legend? Absolutely, they do. The problem is that not many unfold um, that, that people give up too quickly. They want awards and rewards, but they don't necessarily want to put an effort. Or simply, they don't know how, and they're in the wrong environment, and they believe that they cannot do it. Absolutely. But,
1: but, but everyone, everyone responds well to being in a social setting a group setting that yeah. says this is possible right
0: absolutely and that is where we need to consciously make a decision and evaluate where we're at are we in the right setting and if we're not we need to change the scenery and that brings point we need to change and we resist the change when this gets to be severely painful and that's where 99 percent of change is happening and only one percent when we're progressively consciously reinforcing the change because we know even though maybe the info at the moment is going to reward and create a greater good and that is what we need to step away from and then when we tap into transformation Leva, as you know not everybody again is willing and ready and wanted to put that level of effort not only because of the environment they're in but because they know it is going to require dedication and not everyone
1: is society where fear as you, say, I've heard you say on your yes. podcast, right? Where, where it's just structured to make us fearful. Everything yes. is And mm-hmm. I have this quote that's literally sitting, you know, right where oh, I please, can see it every, every moment. Uh, I don't want to look back in five years' time and think we could have been magnificent, but I was afraid. Mm. In five years, I want to tell how fear tried to cheat me out of the best things in life and I didn't let it.
0: Would you please repeat that first part again? Just one more time. The first part that you said that we can be significant, but we couldn't, or- Yes, yeah. do
1: I don't want to look back in five years time and think, we could have been magnificent, but I was afraid
0: that is gold that is millions of dollars worth for everyone. sweet
1: oh <laughs> yes. huh. no and and you know we're all human you know it's it's there's a lot of reason to be afraid and
0: and that better. is that is why even my book from fear to greatness not not from self promotion purpose but that was exactly no. the reason why I wrote it and to begin with because i realized it's a greatness covered on, uh, deep down for some people because of the fear that over consume it. But when we open, when we crack, when we let those cracks to shine some light, glimpse of that greatness that others start seeing before we even recognize that we have in ourselves right and then when we start finally accepting how great capable able we are and leverage and utilize that for greater good that is where magic happens and isn't it the most satisfying from educator standpoint or innovator or someone like yourself to see that unfold
1: yes and yet it is only possible as a collective effort. It is only possible when we have someone to hold hands with, where we have a group that will support us, where we have peers and that, and that creating that support network is probably the most important thing towards becoming magnificent.
0: Oh dear, Liva, that is so very true for everybody. Again, watching and listening, all the greatest accomplishments, even if you look at Elon Musk, even though it might be appealing that it's portrayed that he singularly did all of that. He had an internal group of individuals to stood by him in times of challenge, in times of difficulty, in times when everybody was saying he's gonna crush and burn, and who is he to bring uh, these types of statements and efforts or whatever. We may not agree with everything he says, but what he does and how he persevered. You cannot do that hundred percent on your own with that weight on your shoulder on your own. The same thing when we look at even the Disney, like just to uh, to look at something that happened in early uh, times of the early times of decades ago in the a century, what he saw and what he craved and what he innovated, those things did not happen again by singular efforts. But yet he was the one who continued to hold the torch. Okay. If you stop holding the torch, and I use the Olympic torch as as a just as a, as a uh, metaphor, we ha- that is the light that we can shine for others to see, so they can join and follow and engage. And you've been that's holding that's the torch for so that's long and transformation and sustainability itself, environmental and human, as well as educational, as well as uh, innovative solutions, uh, and uh, everything, again, under sphere of what? Greater good and greater impact and greater influence, right?
1: Who, who have I heard those words from recently? I think it was you. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm in the right place today. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: You're welcome. And, and 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 one of the things, obviously, what we see for us from legacy standpoint, dear Liba, we're seeing the people will think when one day, when we pass, either we leave the money or whatever, And we get plaque on our building, people will, or 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 on the bench, or name of the street or the park, people will remember us. And people are always thinking about legacy, something that happens after we're gone. And what I am really pushing, and what you already demonstrate, and this is how you live your legacy, and how you lead your legacy. Of course, it's going to be left behind because you are so focused on those two. And that is where we need to be more than ever. So with that in mind, what would you like with everything so far accomplished and yet to do, which I cannot see unfolds next year and years to come, what would you like your legacy to be, dear Liba?
1: I would like... Everyone I can touch, however wide I can touch them, to wake up every morning and there be just a little opening in their life that they have enough. They have enough to eat. They have a safe place to live. They have some help with their family, whatever they need. And so that they can open a little crack in their life and say, what am I going to do to make the world better today? Wow. But they need the support. We have to create a society that gives just enough safety and support to people that they can open that crack. When we keep our, the difference in uh, countries with social safety nets and ours, which has some, but it's not expanded widely enough or deep enough. The difference in people's ability to help each other is much greater with a social safety net. So, uh, that's not my work to create that social safety net, but I've never stopped talking about it because it's part of opening that possibility that everyone can make the world a little better.
0: And right now, more than ever, we have plenty of opportunities because demand and need, it's never been as all time high, right?
1: That's right. And
0: I love your depth of recognizing what matters and how beautifully you distilled that. Such a beautiful uh, legacy to witness And I have to say, I'm deeply grateful for this opportunity and an opportunity to learn and and see, and also just even what I'm doing and how I'm doing and arm myself with people like herself because more than ever, we also see opposition, right? Because change is hard for so many people. Mm -hmm. Elevating the game is hard because it's easier to just do status quo, right? It's easier to be confirmed and confined. And I can't say and stress enough, you know, anything greater, anything meaningful, anything of importance requires so much level of effort. And I love how you leveraging and utilizing the efforts of like-minded individuals and close-knit thought groups to make a difference. And with that in mind, dear but do you mind in the close and share and reflect? What would you suggest? Not only those younger generations that are yet to put their foot and effort forward, uh, or younger version of yourself, when you started all of that and saw these huge gaps and issues that continue, yet to never give up and continue to carry the torch for all these decades, as well the ones that are in position to make a change and difference, or at least open the door. What would you? To tell them what level of action or what advice they need to or should be taking.
1: You know, if you if you stay tuned in to the world, you'll find things that really grab you and they'll change over life. Right. Right. I I stood on a soapbox for Head Start Daycare 50 years ago for like seven years because I wanted women to have that support, right? That was my passion then. And I found places where people cared about that, and I worked together with them. And and then my passion changed. Oh, people in the workplace, they need support too. And then my passion changed. Oh, those people who wanted to have leadership that's different than the typical MBA that is triple bottom line. And so the passion changes as life goes on but but if you stay tuned in you'll find something that grabs you so much that you can't help but do it Mm -hmm. you know and that every every single human being has the capacity to want to make the world better there may be a few exceptions but you know that that is the that is the native state of being a human which people like desmond tutu who knew i mean the Dalai Lama knew, your heroes know that everyone has the chance to make the world better. And so you just, you find your passion, which may be the passion of the decade. It may be the passion of the three years, or, but find that passion go find other people who are doing it. And I think something that gets missed a lot in these rah-rah talks is we all have to have a core of integrity. Right, we have to, you know, it's like, we have to say because you people get going, they get really excited. And you don't look at the unintended consequences, or you don't look at who's being left out or you. And so this core of integrity of how are we doing it is as important as what we're doing, how it's, it's like if I had another mantra up there right opposite, you know, my where I look above my screen. It's how we're doing it. it is as important as what we're doing, and that that's the kind of of you know like the the vets who who were who needed healing from their work in the military were the ones who had the greatest morality they had the you know they had they had kept their integrity alive right We all have to keep our integrity alive and you know if you see it. And it's not right, to say something, you know, as they say. It's like we have to and and there is more and more room for a compassionate activism.
0: Yes.
1: Right. That and so that you can be activist in a way that understands everybody's just doing the best they can, you know? Everybody. The, the ceo is has, has to be accountable to the board they're all doing you know they're doing the best they can you know the president has to be accountable to the congressional whims you know it's like everybody's doing the best they can but you 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 come with the passion and you bring your integrity so that how you're doing it is as important as what you're doing
0: i love it such a great reminder and i've never said that before by the way <laughs> I quite in that way,
1: quite in that (laughs) way. And I love, I love, yeah, thank you for asking.
0: Absolutely, and I love how you distill that and how you uh, boiled it down. What it matters fundamentally, and and when we share that integrity and share those values, that's where the magic happens. That's where the results that Liba uh, it was able to produce came about, and that is where we're going to see so much more from these living legends like Liba herself. What she is going to do next, and as you can see, her passion, her drive, her desire, her longevity that she exudes with this amazing beautiful charisma it's not slowing down A matter of fact uh, i cannot wait the leaps and bounds with this level of knowledge that she can contribute so please please everyone take a moment connect with her reach out to her on LinkedIn check her website and also uh where would you like actually they can engage with you specifically those innovative minds that would like to explore opportunity working with you Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that would be wonderful Yes. And I look forward to working with you, too, more, Isabella, as we get a group of women advisors together.
0: Yes, and I am am super excited and we'll share more uh, what's gonna happen in 2022. But for you, Liba, if they do go down, find you directly on LinkedIn and reach out to you there, is that the best way for them to inquire about offerings and support that you can provide for these young uh, executives that are going to be changing and shaping the world? Or or you have a specific area? I, I
1: I love LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. i love linkedin i love messaging on linkedin
0: yes perfect wonderful thank you dear liba for having the opportunity to be with us today on the legacy leader show and sharing some amazing wisdoms i will bring her back i promise uh because this is just scratching the surface and i cannot wait to see what future holds Uh, thank you so much isabella